All right, this is episode uh, 30 something. 30, something. 35, 6, 7, something like that. We're The subject is we're going to be talking about banned medical practices. Oh, oh, ban- I know. Okay, yeah. What do you, you think of that? I thought I, I thought I heard you say banned. I thought like banned like musical medical? No, not restricted medical practices. Okay. Yeah, banned medical practices. Okay. What, these are like most of these are stuff that they did like way back in the day. Yeah, that was just yeah. like way wrong. Yeah. So the the first one on my list is bloodletting. Uh, yeah, I, do. I know that. I know that. Yeah. The with bloodletting, for some reason, they used to believe that some people would make too much blood, and that they had to let some of the blood out to mm-hmm. like fix whatever problem very, it was. Very common, 1800s, I believe. They there was whenever I was like doing the research, it was like, I think they used it to almost all of this stuff was like mental problems for a lot of this yeah. stuff. But like the bloodletting was uh, like for a, a cold or something. Like if you're sick at all, or if you had any type of pain or anything, they like it's like like your arm hurt or something. Or say you had a headache, they just yeah. go, go into there. They're like, you got mm-hmm. too much blood, and they just, no. just cut your arm open and just let some of it out. That's you know that's how um, George Washington died. Really. He was he was he got sick from working out in the um on his homestead uh, fixing fences. He comes in with a cold, and their physician he's he's, he's a very wealthy guy. Uh, his his wife has has their their physician look at him, and he has a cold, and he's like, oh yeah, I'll just let some blood out, he'll be fine. Let some <laughs> blood out, uh, and he you know seals it back up, goes downstairs, talks to the wife, comes back up like an hour later, checks on him again, cold still there, it's just as bad. Let's out some more blood, patches it again, does this like two more times. They come back up and he they tried to let out more blood and nothing comes out. They bled him dry and he died. <laughs> so it's so horrible. Yeah. Like we literally bled our first president out to just dry and dead. Do you think do you think somebody paid him to let all of his blood out? I don't think I don't think anyone would want George Washington dead. George Washington was respected and loved by pretty much everyone, except for so, the guy uh, that wanted to kill him. I mean, who would they be? I don't know. Abraham Lincoln. You know what? That might be it. <laughs> the uh, one of the things that was I don't have this on my list, but one of the things that I saw was that apparently doctors used to be used as like weapons way back in the day, and like assassins. yeah, assassins, same thing. Yeah. And they would like that whenever like a, a political figure or a president or like a like a business competitor competitor or like anything like that, they had problems. Then they would just be like, they would, I'm assuming they'd go pay him and be like, hey, next time he gets some blood let out, let out a little too much, mm-hmm. and then they'd just be dead. Yeah. Or they would like poison them with something or whatever and kill them. Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. they're so George Washington, they're like. They probably cut his arm, and then they're letting the blood out. And then, like, you would think that a doctor would, would like, see all the blood that they let out and be like, <laughs> "Hey, boys, I think we we got a little too much here." No, he's 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 a big boy. He can ease plenty of blood in there. Yeah. And then they're just like, he's probably sitting there. I'm getting a little lightheaded. They're like, "Don't worry, well, <laughs> we'll let a little bit more blood out, and then it'll, it'll take care it's of you." Working. 
Don't worry, it's, it's a normal side effect. Yeah, you're sitting there. Everything's going black. Oh, well, we, we're letting it out. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. Like, I don't even no. understand where the... I mean, of course, I'm coming from this day and time yeah. where, like, I we know that that's, like, insane. But, like... I think, it's, I think they did know a little bit about blood work. And, like, they knew that blood clotting was a thing. And probably... And that they, they, they must have rationed out that, like... Well, blood clotting occurs because you have too much blood. So to prevent blood clotting from happening, which let blood out. But that doesn't work because that's not how blood clotting occurs. Can you, can you imagine going to, like, you, like, you go, you have a headache, you go in there, and they're just like, they like, they don't even, there's no way for them to tell how much blood you have. No. Like, they just look at you and they just go, you got too much blood. Yeah. And you're just like, well, I, little, I don't think so. You're looking a little red, too much blood. Do you know, you probably don't know this, but how did, do you know how like hospitals or stuff worked back then? Like was the, I'm sure there wasn't uh, like a health insurance. Like well, how did these people get paid? You, well, back before they had proper medical things, they had physicians. So it'd just be somebody who either, um, a lot of times like really early on, um, they had uh, monasteries, like, like it'd be the religious people that would study medicine. So medicine, usually physicians would be like uh, from the church. Or like, like a private physician was very rare. Did people um, did people go to did people pay to go to the churches back then? Uh, I'm not sure. Maybe. So like, they maybe. people would pay to go to the churches, and then since they went to that church, then that their doctor would like that was the way to pay to the doctor to get stuff done. Maybe. Um, I'm not sure of the specifics of it. it. Might not even be church. Might it, it, I know for a fact there's some kind of it, it was a very very specific thing you had to go through. Like it was it was, it was a lot of work to become a physician even back then. You couldn't just like teach yourself. You had to be authorized. Well, okay. Something. Here's another thing. If it was a lot of work and they had to like go through who knows what to become like a doctor, physician, whatever. What could they possibly have been learning? Because they're literally <laughs> bleeding people out to fix them. So they, like, they did, what are they teaching them? They did have herbs. They did, like um using plants. They they they've been using uh plants to heal people for like over a thousand years like the, we, mankind's always had a, a strong grasp of that plants are used in medicine yeah. like even even native americans have some plants that you were able to use as medicine yeah oh so, i've got a cold oh here's some dandelions yeah. eat these it's true this for a bit um and which some of them work pretty well but uh, other than like they didn't ha have an, uh, an understanding of the human body like they didn't understand the human body very well because clearly <laughs> because they didn't uh, it was it was forbidden to actually like study the human body after it was dead. It was considered like disrespectful and, and sinful to uh, to cut open a dead body. So, yeah, so they didn't have any way of learning what the inside of a body looked like. They just had a guesstimation. Like, uh, I got some bones in my chest. I must have bones <laughs> in my limbs. I guess I have like, you know, a, a cage or something like that. So you mean? So that. you mean they're like they're sitting? There's like a bunch of these like like almost doctors sitting in this thing and they're just like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. that's hard. That's, that's a bone only, in there. The only way they could tell what, like what, what have you been by work was on themselves. Like on, on themselves or on other life people, they couldn't look inside of a dead person's body. So they just guessed. I mean, I think they're just like, oh, these are my eyes right here. Yeah, I can see eyes, I have a, I have a brain inside my head. I have a, there's a thing bumping that's a heart. I'm assuming I have something that digests things. That's a stomach, that weird thing in my, bottom you know my my belly and that's it when i get that's hungry this thing grumbles i don't know what it does but it's mm -hmm. it gets upset 
they had a loose idea of some things, but it, they probably didn't know much like about livers or kidneys or things like that. Cause how could they, you know? And so they just, <laughs> just like, yes. like the first person that, uh, uh, got to like cut open a, a body or whatever. They're just like, pull out a kidney. What's this thing? <laughs> we didn't, yeah. I didn't know this thing was in here. <laughs> the second heart. What? <laughs> this person's got that. three hearts, one up top and two in the bottom. Wish I had a spare heart. How do you, like, I've always wondered how, I mean, obviously it was slowly, but like, say from, let's say 1700, they knew basically nothing. They were cutting people to let blood out, pretty much. I mean, 1700, yeah, they didn't know a whole lot. So in 300 years, or 320 years to present day, how will they, like, it's, it's weird how it's come so far. And oh, just yeah. like, like, cause at some point, you know, somebody at some point, nobody knew what a kidney did. And then somehow somebody figured it out. There was, a, a, there was some, some person that if you go to medical school, I'm sure, you know, um, a very, very famous physician from a long time ago, first person to really open up a human body, a dead human body and write what they found inside of it. And they were like shunned because it was viewed so wrong, but they learned so much that eventually people started like, yeah, that is messed up, but that they do have a good point about this. And like that was, that was kind of the first foray into, um, into understanding what the ins and outs of the human body were. And from there, it just went up like in the 1800s, blood work came into proper blood work, um, came into, into view. Like there were some brilliant physicians in the i think it was the late 1700s early 1800s that started working out blood types and that blood had different things because then they were getting microscopes and things like that so they're, they're like not all of this stuff, stuff is just red yeah <laughs> there's more to it to, blood work was a big breakthrough like once they learned that like that but had different types and things like that the medical field opened up massively because then like but before that it was generally known that you can't give someone else your blood it's just a bad thing to do every time anyone's tried it it does not work but now we know that if you have the right blood type you can give someone blood and that's huge that's life-saving yeah that, that was a massive breakthrough how long and do you think it took them to realize that there was blood i mean blood's uh, that's that's a basic primitive human supposed like to like somebody got like somebody had to have been cut at some point and they know if i get cut this stuff comes out and then later, some doctor was like, you know that when he got cut, that stuff that comes out? I think there's too much of that stuff. We got to get some of that stuff out. <laughs> like, like yeah. that's how that had to go. They, they looked at it as like pus. Like, it had to, you had to get it out and be healthy. Yeah. It's like, it's like Maybe. you didn't get, you haven't been getting cut enough. So the stuff hasn't been coming out. But so, I mean, so it's, we're just going to cut you and get some of, the, some of it out. I don't think it really needs a physician because it's pretty obvious that, like, with the, the more blood that you lose, the kind of fainter you get and somebody dies from bleeding out. That's pretty, I, I'm pretty sure that the, even the most primitive tribes could work that out. They, you know, apparently they didn't work it out for old George Washington. I mean, that was, they were trying to be, they were, they were doing something stupid. They didn't, it's not, they didn't understand what blood was. They just were getting ahead of themselves and they thought they were smarter than they were like, well, maybe there's just a little bit too much blood. If we just let the right they amount got like out. A, they got like a bucket full and they're like, the, oh, he, yeah. This guy has a lot of blood. We got to get a lot of this stuff out. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's just laid out, white as a ghost, probably. Mm -hmm. Your body naturally regulates your blood. You don't. It's not possible to have too much blood. 
if you have thick blood, that's a problem. If you have really thick blood, like I have thick blood, like my, my blood's like syrup. Like whenever I had to get a blood test, they cut my finger and they just like work the blood through my finger to get it to come out because it's so thick. How'd you, how'd you, how'd you get syrup blood? I don't know. I just have thick blood. Apparently. Did they tell you that or did you come to that? Like yourself. Well, I've, I've just kind of always noticed that. Like whenever I cut, get cut, it, it, the blood's really, really thick and takes a long time to bleed. That's probably because you're dehydrated. I mean, maybe I, I do get dehydrated a lot. Whenever I, whenever I get cut, it it bleed. I mean, it doesn't bleed forever, but it, it bleeds pretty. Like it just like runs out all over the place. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just like just like a bloodletting. <clears throat> That's good. Got to get it out. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I always have too much. So as soon as yeah. everything's mm-hmm. pressurized, so whenever I get cut, it's just like and just like sprays out because <laughs> yeah. of all it's just it's just like a balloon. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So the next thing besides besides blood, this is worse than bloodletting. Yeah, mm-hmm. <clears throat> they used to use heroin as oh, yeah. cough syrup, and they yeah. advertised it as a non-addictive cough syrup. Mm-hmm. Heroin. The stuff was good. Yeah, cocaine is the same thing. They used to doctors used to prescribe cocaine to help with like uh, I forget what it was like it was like drowsiness. <laughs> <laughs> like if you were feeling a bit tired, take some of this. It'll help. <laughs> It'll wake you up. Hey, are you not bouncing off the walls enough? Here, take a little cocaine. You'll be good. You'll have all the energy in the world. Mm-hmm. And then they probably got somebody in their office like. God, you got any more? Oh, I need a little bit more. I'm I'm not awake enough. Yeah, yeah. Cocaine was the normal thing. Like, actually, in the um, Napoleonic Wars, um, uh, and the the high-ranking generals would do cocaine on the battlefield, like like watching on the horses, like watching how the battle's going. Well, actually, they didn't have they had spyglasses, but like, watching how the battle's going, and, <laughs> and like the British generals especially would, would just be, like overlooking the battlefield. <laughs> And just as it's going, just. <laughs> I mean, I can't think of anything better. You watch a little yeah. war, you do a little coke. I mean, what else do you want from life? I thought it was just healthy. I thought that genuinely thought it was a healthy thing. I thought do. it was healthy. Oh yeah, they just think it was medicine. <laughs> yeah, that's some good medicine. Mm-hmm. Do you... I mean, if you didn't understand anything about it, you'd think it was good too. It just did they just snort it back then? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, what are you doing? I'm just taking my medicine. Just taking my meds. Just get my caffeine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm useless until I've had my first lot of coke. <laughs> yeah. You, they were probably getting woke up like in their tents or whatever, and they're just like, man, I haven't even had my coke yet. Yeah. I'm like, come on, man. It's too early to be starting all this. Mm-hmm. You know, they probably like, like a bedside, they probably had like a bedside table. Like they get up and they're just like, instead of, <laughs> instead of a coffee, Right there's the Coke. Yeah. Maybe they mix the two together. They put Coke in the coffee. Oh, I'm sure they, they put it in Coke. I'm sure they probably put it in coffee too. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're probably just like, man, this, this coffee's good. I just can't get enough. Every time I drink it, I just keep on going. Mm-hmm. I, wonder, I wonder if they ever like on the battlefield got like one guy like super high and then like sent him out there and he's just like just going nuts and they're just like, oh, look at him go. Yeah. I mean, that's like the, um, I mean, it's not real, but like, that's what people think berserkers or Vikings would do. Like they just go into the woods and just eat a bunch of mushrooms, <laughs> strip naked with a battle axe and just go to town. 
that did, they, sucks. did they strip naked? Was that a common thing? That's 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 it's a myth. It's oh. a, it's a myth. They didn't actually do that. Berserkers aren't even crazy Vikings. Berserker is more of a word that means champion. Like the best, the best of the Vikings would be a berserker, not some nut job with you know <laughs> shirtless with uh, you know tattoos all over his body with a great axe. That's misconception. It's a cool misconception. I like it. I wish it was the truth, but no. <laughs> yeah, that's that's uh, that's disappointing. I like the yeah. I like the mushroom stripping down naked and fighting people with an axe better. <laughs> yeah, that's that's more fun. Could you can you could you imagine like say you're on a battleship and then here comes a whole another ship taking over your ship, but they're all naked. And they're, they're just, your, yeah. your ships get taken over just purely by naked people with battle axes. I mean, mm-hmm. you're not going to know what to do. You're going to be like, whoa, whoa. I didn't know it was this kind of party. <laughs> I thought we were fighting. Yeah, I mean, they didn't and then on top lot. of that, they're all on mushrooms, so they're just like, just out of their minds and, yeah. and naked with a battle axe. Mm-hmm. They don't have any, any kind of like reaction to you coming at them. They're just trying, they're just trying to kill that weird-looking orange guy just glowing in the corner. Yeah. Like the way you look at him. I mean, what are you? What, what are you supposed to do? There's nothing you can do. You just have to just I mean, like hope that no, no, not everybody dies. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you ready for this next one? Sure. This this one's kind of this one's pretty messed up. All right. So, I mean, these are all messed up. Yeah. So they used to use <clears throat> they used to use mercury mark mercury mercury as, yeah mercury as a topical ointment and they would they had it they had it as an ointment they used it in lotions liquid mercury yeah oh um toothpaste i did not know that and something it was like a whole line of like different like self they said it was they thought in the beginning that it was good for your skin is what they thought oh so it was like <laughs> There in the in the video I was watching. I think this was like in the sixties or something too, fifties. Yeah. And they would they said that there was like some uh, somebody came out with a, a whole like some company came out with a whole line of stuff that was all mercury. It's all supposed to be good for your skin, good for your health, good for your teeth, all that stuff. And then mm-hmm. they said that like massive amounts of people started just dying from mercury poisoning. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they realized like, huh, it's yeah, not mercury. so good. Really, really poisonous. Yeah. <laughs> It's like one of the most dangerous substances you can possibly ingest. One drop, and you're dead. It's a death sentence. There's nothing anyone can do to save you. You are dead. Yeah. And they they're like they're just just rubbing it. Oh, I got all oh, this yeah. good lotion. Oh, get this get, toothpaste. Get some layers. It's what? Get some layers. FBS nine thousand. <laughs> yeah. You don't need SPF anything because you'll be dead. Yeah. It's the best defense. They, I was trying to remember which. Uh, I don't. I don't think it was one specific company either. I think it was like a, like just like a national thing that just every like all the companies started doing because there was like one guy that said it was good. So they just mm-hmm. like all started doing it, and then and then everybody just starts dropping dead. Yeah. I wonder how I like like what the repercussions were for that. See, like that's 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 the thing that makes people you know uh, skittish around new technology. Like microwaves and and uh, like the five G towers, people think the five G towers can cause cancer because the five G like towers that. are gonna mess us up. I mean, it is a lot of electromagnetic energy. Yeah, I but, heard this is this is completely random and not on the subject of this podcast. But I saw I heard that apparently your uh, 
I I don't remember exactly what the frequency was, but apparently the 5G towers put off the same frequency that your brain puts off. So it's like the same thing as, uh, it's supposed to be the same thing as like a, um, like whenever you break a wine glass with your voice, you have to play its own natural frequency back to it for it to break. It's supposed to have like the same type of effect on a, on a brain as if you're paying, playing the same frequency back to the brain that it, that just makes you go crazy. Uh, about that that seems a bit far-fetched well I mean, apparently there was also <clears throat> some town i don't remember where it was but there was like not just one town but like periodic towns mm-hmm. where they uh they installed 5g in like in those certain towns and then the uh the rate of uh domestic violence went up in those areas it might be might be effect. It's you know, a weird effect, but I mean, maybe it's pretty weird. That's kind of like kind of random. They, but something yeah. else that I just I just remembered that goes along with that. They, they still might do this, and I know for sure they used to do this. Was they used to put lithium in tap water, and there I was like so. there was like a study somewhere that where like there was. I don't know if it was Chicago or whatever. It was a, a very violent city and they started putting lithium in the tap water and then the crime rates and everything started coming down because everybody, because I guess lithium does something to your brain to like calm you down or whatever. And it was like some, it was like some study that they did that wasn't like published or like, or not published, but it wasn't like nobody said anything about it. They just like did it just to see what happens. Lithium? All lithium. Um, the actually let me just let me just google it because i think there was a whole wikipedia page about it or there was a um there was something there was an article about it yeah there's an art lithium in uh drinking water linked with lower suicide rates Mm mm-hmm Oh, this one's this one talks about naturally occurring lithium. There was one there was one thing where they were wherever it was, they were um adding lithium. Yeah. This one from there's one from Vice that says scientists say lithium should be added to drinking water. A new study in the published British Journal of Psychiatry finds a link between lithium in drinking water and lower suicide levels. Lithium is naturally occurring alkali metal, which living organisms ingest from dietary sources. So you, you eat it anyway. You, you ingest it anyway in trace amounts, very, 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 very small amounts. But in much higher concentrations, lithium is effective as a medication for mania and mood swings and manic depressive disorders. So it's it's a, a component in medi- medicine, yeah, medication. Yeah, psychological medication. So I mean, yeah, putting small amounts in. Um, yeah, but they're just—you can't just throw that in the drinking water. Yeah, that, that that's seems like, like a, that's like straight. That's like like drugging everybody. Yeah. Like I didn't agree to have lithium in my tap water. You can't <laughs> yeah, just can like just put it in there. They already put um what fluoride, fluoride I think in yeah. um in tap water. And that and then that's supposed to like cause all kinds of problems too, isn't it? 
Uh, well, I don't know what caused what problems it causes, but it is good for your teeth. <laughs> I thought it so. caused a lot of problems. I think it caused a lot of problems with like puberty or something, like mm. not stunt your growth, but like it's supposed like if you drink a lot of it, it's supposed to do something to you. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't think some stunt your growth. I've never heard of that. Well, I don't. I don't know if that's exactly what it was, but it was. It was something. Yeah. There was one specific thing that it did. I'm sure there's. I'm sure there were concerns you've heard because everyone has concerns about everything when it comes to chemicals being added to anything. But you mean whenever the, you know, the government's just like, huh, let's put some of this in the water. Mm-hmm. We just won't tell them. It'll be fine. Yeah. But yeah, fluoride, it, it, I'm pretty sure fluoride's like overall pretty good because it is very, very good for your teeth. It does help a lot with dental health. Like your, your teeth are like part of the reason why your teeth don't fall out as much even 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 if you don't brush them, is because you have so much fluoride in the water. My teeth don't fall out at all. Not even once. Have any of yours fallen out? No. Too much fluoride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Are you ready for the next one? Sure. This one, I don't. I don't know why this was so funny, but this one, I laughed so hard whenever they whenever I was reading about this one. This next mm-hmm. one. Is called the whirling chair. Have you ever heard of it? I may have heard of this. So the whirling chair was what they um, what they used to cure schizophrenia. I have not heard of this. So the what they would do for schizophrenia is they believe this is another thing with blood. They believed that mm-hmm. schizophrenia was caused by bad blood getting to your brain. And I guess they decided that you couldn't just like let it out with bloodletting. So they decided that the only way to get the bad blood away from the brain was to put you in this chair and then they would spin you in circles really fast until you went unconscious. And then the, the idea was that by them spinning you in circles real fast and, the, and then you going unconscious, that the bad blood is getting slung away from the brain. That's, that is so idiotic because when, <laughs> when you're spinning the motion of you spinning and being thrown back in your chair the motion is coming upward into your head so that's what makes you unconscious because the blood is being held in place in your brain it's not being oxygenated and you lose enough oxygen to just go unconscious that's what causes that so you're just keeping the, you're keeping the blood in the brain well here's the best part they, this wasn't like just a one one time treatment. Whenever mm-hmm. you came in to get this treatment done, they would they would put you in the chair, spin you till you come unconscious, and then you'd come back and then you you know, like wake up or whatever. And then they would ask you if you felt better, and if you didn't feel better, then they just do it again. Yeah. And then they would just keep doing it over and over until until either you died or you said that you felt better, so you'd go home. Yeah, pretty much. And that was yeah. that's the cure. Mm-hmm. So you go to the doctor, you're like. I think I hear a voice, and they're like, "Oh, well, just sit down in this chair right here," and then they just start winging you around in, the, in a circle. The um, I think the whirling chair thing. I think that was like eight, like seventeen, like eighteen hundreds ish, somewhere between like eighteen and nineteen hundred, mm-hmm. because in the in the pictures that it showed with it, it was like there was like two poles, and then there was like a basket, and like and it said that like they would put you in the basket. And then it looked like the like they would just like wind it up on the poles and then like just let it fall so it like unravels going down the poles. So I guess mm-hmm. they would just like do that over and over and over until you passed out. 
And then there was another one that was like a big pole in the middle. And then there was like, like a weight on this end and then like a basket on this end. And then you would sit in this basket and then somehow or another they would you know, spin you around. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was, it looked very, very medieval torture. Yeah. And the, the only thing I can think of that would even cause your, your blood to get out of your brain is if you made a device that like made you spin in circles real fast, but with your head like attached to the spinning thing. So your feet is where all the motion would go. So all the force would be, you, you know, all the blood would be forced down to your feet. Well, that's also not healthy. They might have done it that way. You might have like had your head towards whatever the fulcrum of the spinning thing was, and then all the blood yeah. would just leave your brain, or so they could get all the bad blood out. Yeah. That one. I'm I mean, like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't drain your brain. It what? It wouldn't drain your brain. You'd still have blood in your brain. They don't know that. That's why they're spinning people in circles in chairs. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, uh, when I find out. I would. I would just like to see like like an interview of someone who had this done. Like, yeah. like, how did it help you? They'd be like, well, it didn't. Mm-hmm. It, I want to know, like, what if you went to, like, get this thing done? Or you say you went to the doctor, they decided to do this. They put you in the spinning chair, they spin you around and all that stuff. And then you're just like, you get out. I think I hear more voices than before. <laughs> they'd be like, oh, man, this guy's got some really bad blood. <laughs> they'd put you back in there and, like, crank it up, spin it's you even terrible. more. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I think, I think a high percentage of people died. Really, from just doing that over and over. Yeah, from just like <laughs> just going. Because I mean, I mean, you got to think I, after I, you, if you're already schizophrenic and then you just lost consciousness. Whenever you come back to to being conscious, you're not going to be right. Like yeah. you're going to like feel dizzy and like you're gonna, you're probably not going to make feel awful. Yeah, you're going to feel like garbage. They and probably they probably put them in there. Yeah, and you just keep going, going, going until they feel better. Yeah. Oh God! You would, yeah, that that probably cause like, would it be a concussion? It's just a lack of oxygen to the brain. Like you, you, it might, I might make you go brain dead, <laughs> just, just having a lack of oxygen for that long. Yeah, it was, it would just be brain damage. Yeah, I guess the idea is just to damage the brain until the, until you're not schizophrenic anymore. It's like how you treat cancer; you just try and damage everything around it and try to see if it kills enough for you kill the patient. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. The this next one, I mean, this next one's horrible too. These are all bad. Yeah. But the next one, ice pick lobotomy. Wow, that is a hell of a name. <laughs> Do you know what an ice pick lobotomy is? I have heard of references to it, but I don't know exactly what it is. <laughs> so I'm this, assuming it involves an ice pick. Oh yeah, it involves an ice pick. Mm-hmm. This this one's like this is messed up. So this one was also to treat. I think it was to treat. Um, they didn't call it depression. I think they. I think in the article it, they called it hysteria or something, mm-hmm. which I guess they just kind of was like a blanket term they used for probably like depression and anxiety or something. Hysteria is just general mental disorder. But they and they also used it for uh, uh, schizophrenia and uh, just like crazy people, I guess whatever, <laughs> whatever they deemed as crazy. Yeah. So. With the ice pick lobotomy, what they do is they take they take an ice pick, they stick it up your nose, and then they take a hammer and pound it up your nose into the frontal lobe of your brain, and then 
spin it around in the frontal lobe of your brain. And the idea is that if they damage enough tissue in the front of your brain, they think they thought that that would like would uh, stop you from like being crazy or schizophrenic or whatever. Because they thought that, I mean, the, that the front of the brain was like where all that stuff was controlled. So they just figured if they just damage all that, then you're good. I mean, if you're dead and you can't be crazy. So, yeah, it is technically a cure. Which is pretty much what happened. They yeah. said that like a very large portion of the people died and the ones that didn't oh, yeah. die were brain dead. Obviously, yeah. Because you, you're causing major brain damage. Yeah. An ice pick getting pounded up your nose. Up your into nose. Into your brain. Who who came up with that? Who who, who just looked at like it, like came back from a, a hiking trip and just thought, you know what? I don't remember the doctor's name, but actually I can probably Google it, find it real fast. But it was it was a very like pronounced like doctor, like this was his like greatest accomplishment or whatever, and he killed like <clears throat> I think they said something like two thousand people or four thousand people. That's insane. Before yeah, and oh, and another thing, they were doing this like up into the seventies. God, I mean, like they have they have similar things nowadays, like um, hypodermic needles. They can they have precision, and they can actually like Doctor Walton this... Freeman. Freeman. Yep, he was the one that created the or invented the lobotomy. In hmm. in nineteen forty one. And. <clears throat> Lobotomies in Ontario were formed nineteen forty eight to nineteen fifty two. I was thinking I was thinking that they did it to the seventies. This says the Soviet Union banned them in nineteen fifty. So Soviets were quicker to pick up one than we were. <laughs> yeah, apparently. That's pretty sad. Considering what the Soviets did. Okay, so maybe it was in the 50s. Hopefully. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was looking like to the 50s. Well, he also, well, he, uh, it was only, he only killed like, <clears throat> like 2,000 people. So, only. Well, yeah, only. But so if he did it from the 40s to the 70s, it would have been way more than 2,000. Yeah. And it said uh, like 60% of the uh, lobotomy patients were women. Because, mm -hmm. like, women that were deemed hy hysteric, they hysteric. would get lobotomies. Yeah. And they, okay, so they did the ice, there's two ways they did it. The ice pick through the nose, or they would do the ice pick, and they would slide it, like, above, like, between your eye and your skull, and then go up that way into your brain. I imagine that you'd pop out eyeballs left and right as you did that. Probably. Mm -hmm. Like, because you know there's, there's no, like, sedative. There's, yeah, they're just like, just all right, well, hold, hold still, and then they just <clears throat> pound this thing into your head, and then you they just sit there and just work it around. They're like, oh, oh, he's brain dead. Oh, no more what? schizophrenia. Is there supposed to be like, would there be like a method to it? Like, you, you crank it three times, you know, three inches to the left, you hear that click, and then you just rotate it all the way around again and pop it back out. That's the trick to it. <laughs> like, what was the thinking like, of, of twisting it? Even like, <laughs> the, well, the twisting, well, like they would the whole the. I can't even can't even say words. <clears throat> the whole point of twisting it, what they would stick it in, and then they would rotate it around because they wanted to damage as much tissue as possible in the frontal. Uh, the the goal was to damage tissue. Yeah, that was the that was the whole purpose. Was to they said was to sever the tissue of the front portion of the brain because they they I don't know if they knew or they just assumed that the front portion of the the prefrontal cortex 
was where all of these problems were coming from. So if they just damaged it and just like severed all the, the whole thing, then the problems would just go away. Yeah, I mean, that's insane thinking. Yeah. <laughs> that's like the same thinking as like if you break your arm, just cut it off. Just cut it off. It's the, um, <laughs> no, no well, yeah, if you just cut it off and it's not broken because it's not there. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, you're losing vision and one eye just popped out. Just popped out of the school. No problem. Yeah, I mean, who you don't need both of them. You have two. Just huh. give up one. Yeah. You have a spare? <laughs> yeah, you got a spare. Just use that yeah. one. That's mm-hmm. why you have it. Yeah. The uh This next one is <laughs> this one this one's just as bad as lobotomy. So whenever people um would go to the doctor for a headache, guess what they mm-hmm. would get? Okay. <laughs> well, it was, maybe sometimes. But in like in other cases, they would get holes cut in their head. Uh, to let the uh, the ache out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, it was a very common practice for, to like if you went, if you had a migraine or whatever, they would burrow holes in your head to your brain to let the pressure out. And that mm-hmm. was what, how they thought that you cured headaches. I mean, it's pounding. Obviously, you have too much blood in your brain. Just let some blood out. Yeah. Problem solved. And it was like, I can't remember the percentage. It was a very, very, very high percentage of people that just died from having this. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they, uh, in the video that I was watching about it, apparently this is something that they found all the way back to like cavemen having like holes drilled in skulls and stuff. Because I guess they thought the same thing probably. Yeah. Cavemen are banging rocks together trying to make fire and they're just like, oh, hole, drill a hole in head. Yeah, I mean, like, the the basic idea of it, it makes sense to how someone could think of that, because, like, when you get a headache, your head's pounding. Like, it feels like there's too much blood. Like, it's just pressure. It's just full-on pressure. It feels like there's either too much gas or too much blood in your brain. Yeah. So, like, you got to relieve that gas. And to them, it just makes sense. Oh, drill a hole, gas or blood, whatever it is, comes out, and I feel much better. Like, you know, trying to, you know... You end, you, you end up dead like is what you, is what you do. And you, you just die. Now, I would have been completely like unfazed if I saw this and it and it like stopped at like cavemen. Yeah. So it'd be like, okay, you know, the cavemen, they, they don't even have fire, they're literally banging rocks together in a cave. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I can understand that. They're they they do not know what they're doing. But this was I mean, this is like again, eighteen, nineteen hundred stuff. Yeah. Dr- just straight not even you know they don't have power drills no. just hand drilling holes in people's heads um, they're just yeah. like well this will this will get y'all fixed up and they're just like yeah. oh he died oh man no headache anymore and they just throw him off <laughs> and like i mean you know that's what had to had to be happening yeah this uh, this next one this this is by the dumbest one on this entire list I mean, this is as stupid as it gets. It's a difficult competition, but... I mean, yeah, this is a hard competition, but... but have yeah. you ever heard of stink therapy? I have not. So, do you remember the Black Plague? Or the Black yeah. Death? Mm-hmm. I think it's the, the same plague, thing. I think, I think yeah. it's the same thing. Okay. So, the, the, whenever the Black Death was first going around, they thought the cure for the Black Death was stink 
because I guess they thought it, I guess the black plague was transmitted through air or they thought it was transmitted through air. Yeah. So they thought that the stink would like kill it in the air. Mm -hmm. So people were instructed to do two things. One, they wanted people to move all of their animal, all their farm animals inside of the houses to, to, to provide the stink. Yeah. And then secondary, they were told that to, to, everybody in the house was supposed to fart in jars and keep it in a jar. And if they felt sick, they're supposed to open it and smell it because it's supposed to kill the bacteria. God. <laughs> so all these people just have all these wow. jars that they're farting in. And then they start to feel sick. They're just like, oh, let me open this jar. Well, I feel better now. And they close back up. I mean, there's two sides to that coin, actually. So there's that, what you just told me. And there's, you know, the plague doctors with the um the wicked nose mask, yeah. masks they had. The, you know the purpose of those masks? <sighs> to divert the smell? Yeah. They would put herbs, like special herbs, and they'd light them on fire. Like, not on fire, but like they'd, they'd light them so they were smoking. And they just that they would, that nose would come, would uh, hold the, the herbs, and they just be breathing in smoking herbs. Like like plague doctors would take people across like um like into islands where they just let the sick people die away from everyone else. And the plague doctors would have to be the ones that ferry the, the sick over there. And the plague doctors would be be sitting there, you know, toasted because <laughs> smoking herbs the entire way through. But Is that's it... <laughs> how they they prevent themselves from getting sick. Like when you say herbs, are they smoking weed? I mean, it probably wasn't. Or, no, it wasn't marijuana, but it was just random medicinal herbs, like just, any medicinal herbs. Fine. So they just got like some rosemary and some parsley, yeah. and just mm -hmm. just stuck it up the nose piece, <laughs> and then just lit it. How it was like like your throat would have to be so dry? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's a precaution you have to take because it's that or getting this deadly disease that is a death sentence if you get it. Right, but looking back now, that had nothing to do with them getting it or not getting it. Yeah. So they they were just burning all breathing all this smoke for nothing, mm -hmm. and what well, I'm sure they didn't know anything about like no, they didn't lung, lung cancer. So they're breathing all this because I mean, it was like it basically like, it wasn't like a massive plume of smoke. It was just a little bit of faint like steam. It's like a small campfire. Yeah, they're just like <laughs> yeah. constantly breathing campfire. Yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't like there's they weren't inhaling ash. Yeah, it, it was just like like steam it was more like steam. so wait a minute and if it was in the nose didn't it like like fog out like where they could see uh well no because it, it's just a little bit like they wouldn't light on fire it's just ever like very 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 faint smokiness to it like just just to, like the the bottom of the herbs are black and there's emitting a little bit of smoke so what I, i've never heard of this island what did they do they led they put all the sick people on an island together no, the islands. Anytime they like any island off the shore of a place that had the infection, the plague doctors would take the sick people and they'd ferry them over to the nearest island and just drop all the sick people off and let them all die on the island, so that they wouldn't spread the disease. So that you just you, you just get like you get the disease. Plague doctor comes, picks you up, he forces you to take you on this boat with him uh, with a bunch of other sick people, and he ferries you across. So and what, then you what get if you off uh, an island and well, you just die? What if you don't want to go to the island? You had no choice. It was either you go to the island or you die, and your body gets dropped off into like some disposal place, like a pit of bodies with the disease. When, what like, year was this? The Black Plague. It was twelve hundreds. Twelve hundreds. 
$1,239 a month. Yeah. Some of that. Oh. Maybe. Well, that, that kind of bring that. Mm, I mean, it's still bringing the animals in the house and smelling yeah. farts in a jar is still absolutely crazy. But yeah. if it's twelve thirteen hundreds, that's a little bit acceptable, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they didn't have much understanding medicine back then. Like the f- physicians back then, their solution to everything was like, well, you have, you know, you have smallpox in your arm, cut the arm off. <laughs> if your leg's broken, cut the leg off. If you, if you, you, if you, you broke cold, your leg, they cut it off? A lot of times. Because they just, like, if, you, if they didn't know how to heal it, just take it off. Like they just did, they didn't know that it would heal itself. No, that that was consistent until like nineteen hundreds. They like would just cut. Was, so you break your arm. Oh yeah. They just cut the arm off. Am, amputees were rampant, especially militaries. Like if you were a military man, there was a really good chance you get you become an amputee because if you get your arm broken or your leg broken, they just cut it off because they had, they didn't understand that you have to hold it in place and it heals itself. They just kept on trying to use it. And it was unusable, getting in the waist. They just took it off. So they're like, they have a broken leg, and they're just like, they just broke it. And they're like, ow, ow, yeah. ow. Oh, it's not work. It's not fixed. Like, Next day, ow, ow. Usually, like it'd be like if if, it, if it's something small, like a like a a broken toe. They didn't mess with it, but if it was like your leg was cut, broken, cut, and your... you break your toe, and they take your whole leg off. It's like, all right, we <laughs> like, gotta get rid of the whole thing. The whole thing's bad. It'd, it'd be like extreme. Like if your if your knee, like the joint of your knee, was broken, like it snapped. And you know, like a bone sticking out, they take it off instantly. Do you think they understood broken bones? They understood broken bones. They just didn't understand how to treat them. They didn't understand what to do with them. If it, if it didn't heal on its own, take it off. <laughs> and I, and they just never waited six weeks. No, if it didn't, if it wasn't like a finger or a toe um, or a nose, and it just didn't heal itself, like if you couldn't just avoid using it to, you know, I keep mean. It, Still, at, at some point, you would have to think that they were like somebody had like broke a, a finger or something, and then they eventually it got better. And they're like, Oh, yeah, well, the, hold on a minute. If the finger fingers. gets better, maybe the arm gets better. I mean, it, it, it's a kind of a big leap from arms to fingers because you can still use your hand without like with a broken finger, but you can't pick anything up or do anything with a broken arm. You just have to let that <laughs> arm stay still, which was impossible because you needed your arm. Well, here, here's another secret. You also can't pick anything up if your arm is cut off. Yeah. So well, I, either way, you can't you can't do anything with it. At least you don't have dead dead weight. At least you don't have to deal with this constant pain as it just moves around. Dead nerves. I I think I would rather have, like, just try to hold my arm still for a long period of time, because they didn't have like there wasn't it wasn't like a real doctor that would amputate your arm. Didn't they just oh, yeah. strap you down and saw it off? Well, it depends. Like sometimes they just have like, it's rich people had physicians, which would physicians weren't much better, and like the military had like field surgeons. And the surgeons were just like people who people who had the most medical knowledge, even though that might not be any really at all. Like they might have just read some books about it. Like you, you know something <laughs> about this? You, you've read? I've, I've read a book. You're the you're the uh, surgeon of the you're the army surgeon now, so you, you take care of this. So what's your uh, what's your medical knowledge? Well, um, I know that the brain thinks sometimes you get too much blood, and mm-hmm. uh, you cut off broken arms. You're hired, yeah. and then now you're the doctor. A lot of a lot of medical medical industry was figuring out how to cut off limbs without killing the person, like without having them bleed out, and like the easiest quickest ways to do it i am so glad we are so far past that now oh yeah mm-hmm. 
Like we're, I'm so glad we're not still trying to figure out how you can cut off people's limbs without killing them. Yeah, and, and like the worst part about it was like it wasn't your choice. Like if you're a soldier and you your your leg gets hit by like uh, someone, some guy with a you know a really big mace comes along and just clocks you in the in the, in the shin, and your shin is busted completely. Some guy with a mace. Walk. What do you mean a mace? My mace. What kind, like a, a, what kind of war is this? A normal war. A mace? A mace. Not the spray stuff, but right. a mace. Right. The spiky you know ball with a stick and you sling it? it? Well, that's a morning star. Maces are just any anything that has a handle, a shaft, a, a one-handed shaft, and a um, blunt piece of metal on the end of it. Or, or even just a wooden. That, like anything that's just designed to be a blunt trauma one-handed weapon is a mace. Oh. Wait a minute. You said they did this up to the 1900s, right? Well, it, it, later on, it'd be you know if you if you get hit by, um, like if, if somebody if you get into a melee and there's a lot of broken bones. Usually, you know, like in later on, like the uh, Black Powder era, like 16 to 1900, um, if you got hit and your bone is broken, oftentimes the limb was taken with it because it'd be a cannonball, and if a cannonball hits you, you're you're not going to need the amputation. You know, it, it's going to take everything you need to get going. The amputation is going to be done for you. Oh, and yeah. Very quickly. Lightning fast. Oh, yeah. Didn't they used to get people, like, really drunk to do surgeries? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they'd use alcohol to numb them. Yeah, that was the best they had. And they also used alcohol to, to disinfect the wounds later on. So, like, you're, like, like, you're drinking it, and they're just like, yeah. <laughs> they're just like, hold on, don't drink all that. And then they pour some water yeah. on there and <laughs> drink some more. They actually... Boiling wine was very, very common, which works. If you boil wine and pour it onto a wound, it works really well. It disinfects it. Why do you have to boil it? Uh, I think it just helps with uh, the concentration of the alcohol or something like that. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why you boil it, but I know that you boil wine and you pour it into the wound and it's really, really, really good disinfectant. Like it's the best thing they had to disinfect wounds. Do you pour it? Do you pour it in the wound while it's hot? Yeah. So it, it's scorching hot. It gives in. <laughs> so that's hold, why that's you, why it kills them down. Well, no, it, it didn't kill. It didn't kill them. It was really effective disinfectant. No, I'm saying that's it why it actually, killed all the, like all the germs and stuff. It's because it's boiling oh, yeah, hot. Yeah, because well, yeah, but it, it also because it's alcohol. I wonder if they they could have the same effect just by boiling water, and pouring scalding no. water on it. Oh. I mean, it would it probably get the dirt out, but it wouldn't kill the germs because it's not alcohol. No, the heat would. Well, he wouldn't get all of it. He wouldn't get all the germs. Over two hundred degrees. Well, it, all that stuff's dead. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be the same amount. Like it wouldn't be as thorough. Oh yeah. No. No. There's no. None of the germs are gonna live at 200, 212 degrees. Well, the germs aren't being aren't being kept at two hundred degrees. They're being splashed on. Some of them are being exposed to it extremely quickly. The germs would have to be kept. In a 200 degree environment in order to die. Mm, you sure? Yeah. You can't just splash boiling water on a wound and it instantly just vaporizes all the germs. I, I think they all go away. No. Well, it's not, they're not, they don't have like a, a boiling water spray bottle. They probably got like a big pot and they just like, just like dump it on there. I mean, you don't want to dump too much because it might actually like do some real damage. 
Well, like that's the, they're, they're already cutting their arms off with saws and getting them drunk to do it. What are they worried about? A little bit of damage. I mean, like major damage, like third degree burns. That's nothing. You just cut away the burns. Mm-hmm. That's like like you're they're gonna do something to your arm. So say they they pour a bunch of water on your arm, but then the water also burns your leg. So they're just like, wow, it goes well, take the leg off too. Take the leg too. Mm-hmm. People are crazy. Like that's insane. Yeah. So this next one, this is this is evil. Like this one is torture, like just pure torture. Mm-hmm. So, do you by by chance happen to know how they used to fix a stuttering problem? No. <laughs> Though the cure for a stutter, they would cut the tongue off. I was about to say that exact same thing. <laughs> That's because they believed yeah. that uh, a stutter was caused by spasms in the tongue. So they said most of the time what they would do is they would start by cutting off pieces of the tongue, but they said that in most cases they would just continue, they would just keep cutting pieces off the tongue until there was virtually no tongue left. Yeah. And then once they couldn't speak, then they couldn't stutter. Well, there you go. Problem solved. Yeah. Can you, like, you're, you're like 10 years old. You go to the doctor. You're like, got a stuttering problem. He's just like, you're all mm-hmm. good. And you're just like, oh, I don't know how I am. You're like, you can't enunciate anything. You can't move any food around. You can't do anything because you don't have a tongue. Yeah. This next one. Um, <laughs> have you ever heard of rest therapy? No. When okay, so this one was uh, was really popular around the time, whenever this time period was, that women were starting to fight for their rights. So that the eighteen hundreds, yeah, 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 like the right to like education, vote, all that stuff. Okay, so the um, uh, whenever the women were fighting for their rights was like what years, or what year roughly? So 18, 1800. Like mid 1800s like or like beginning? Mid, mid, mid. It'd be mid, yeah. Okay, so that's whenever this was very popular, the rest therapy. So rest therapy was, when, which it was like 98 or 96%, something like that, women. Mm-hmm. So whenever the women were fighting for their rights and all that stuff, those women that were fighting for their rights were deemed hysteric. Yeah. So the therapy for hysteria was rest therapy where they would take them into rooms and tie them down to a bed and make them rest. Yeah. And then they would literally just leave them tied up to the bed until they agreed that they felt better. Mm-hmm. And then by feeling better means would mean right. not fight for your rights. Yeah. And that was, that was the therapy. Yeah. That that, just, that's just, that's not even medical. That, that's just pushing an agenda. Yeah. It probably yeah, it, probably, it was probably just them pushing the agenda. There was probably, I'm sure there was no, no research. Nothing about that, yeah. Like, could you imagine being like you're like all fired up about something and they're just like, you need to rest, and they just like strap you down to a table, mm-hmm. and then you're just sitting there just like, hey, you can't move, can't do anything, and they're just like, do you feel better? Do you feel better? And you're just like, no, I don't feel better. You're like rest. <laughs> it's like whenever you're really mad, someone telling you to calm down. Like yeah. you're never, you're never gonna calm down. 
Except for it's like a bunch of doctors and you're just like losing their, your mind and they're just like, calm down, just calm down. Because I, I, like I had never, I I'd never heard of any of that. Yeah. Like I knew that like whenever the women were like fighting for their rights and stuff, I knew they were like made out to be crazy or whatever. But I didn't know that they made him like do rest therapy and strapped him down to beds until he quit. Yeah, I think I, I think I have heard of that. I think I've heard of. I didn't hear that. I didn't, I never heard of the term, but I've heard of um, suffragettes being uh, described as hysterical as a way to like try and you know uh, undercut them. You know. Yeah, there was there from from all of these. <clears throat> there was a lot of that. A lot of like. <clears throat> them deeming women being like hysteric for for whatever reason and then that was the treatment because a lot of the a lot of the lobotomy was women a lot of the i think a lot of the whirling chair was women mm-hmm. women and schizophrenics which i guess schizophrenics are mainly men yeah then the rest therapy was mainly women they, uh, oh, it was, I, I wrote this down. It was, they strapped them to the table until their mood improved. That was, mm-hmm. what, that was what their goal was. Whenever the mood improved, yeah. then they were no longer hysteric and they could let them go. So I guess once you stop freaking out because you've been strapped to a table, <laughs> then you're good to go. Mm-hmm. reasonable. I can't even like, I can't even imagine how like, how crazy people probably started going when they started getting strapped to tables. Oh yeah. <clears throat> in the video that I watched of it, they showed a room that was like probably 40 or 50 different women all. And they just were all in beds, just like with a leather strap, like just strapping them down to the bed. Yeah. It was insane. Next we have electroshock therapy. therapy I've heard of this. Mm-hmm. The, they used it for people who were, uh, I think it was mainly for people who was depressed or schizophrenic, which seems yep. to be the, a big trend here of things that they're trying to cure or whatever. Yeah. And from the pictures and what, from what I saw, it looked basically just like two, like just taking a cord from a wall outlet and they just put it on your temples. Yeah. And they pretty much just shock you over and over and over and over until you feel better. Well, the, the the premise behind it was that um, mental disorders were caused by an imbalance of electrical signals in the brain, like your, the electricity in your brain was just out of order, like it was just off off beat essentially. Oh, and so, by, if we, so if we add some of our electricity so to if it, if we yeah, if we just give them the right jolts and the right increments increments in the right patterns, it'll just you know reset it and get it to working right, which obviously makes no sense, but you know, I mean, <laughs> so they're, it, they. I would say this was before this was ever invented, but they <clears throat> were kind of had the same principle as like the things where they shock your heart back, kind of like the same thing, but for your brain. I mean, it's it's, it's similar, I suppose. Like, like the print. I guess the principle they're going for is like kind of the same. Yeah, it's like, it's we'll, we'll just keep shocking them until they start like foaming out of the mouth, and then we're like, oh, you're good. Yeah, it seems to me like a lot of this stuff seems like stuff that. They don't fix the problem. They just like they just torture you prevent- enough until you agree that the problem is fixed, and then they, they or, use like they use that as their research for that's yeah. how you fix it. Or like they view you know making sure that the problem is impossible to reoccur as fixing the problem. Yeah, 
Like you break your arm, cut the arm off, can't break it anymore. Can't break it anymore. The, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what kind of like scientists were like doing all this type of research for all these years. Yeah, but like, and th- th- I mean, this is—I'm sure this. What I found, I'm sure it's just the tip of the iceberg. I'm sure yeah. they probably had way worse things going on, and then. All the all it did was make people just like, all right, I am sick of this. I I I feel better. I know I don't feel sick. I don't hear any more voices. I just need to get out of here. Mm-hmm. The, it's usually uh, the brain stuff is the worst because like the brain's such a delicate instrument, and like it's so different from every single other organ. Like every other organ, you can just fix it using some simple method. Not the brain. You cannot do anything drastic with the brain. Yeah. Like the smallest little movement, gone, you're dead. The brain just can't, you can't handle that. You can't, you can't mm-hmm. be sending 110 volts to your brain. Yeah. The, um, I wonder if anybody ever did like an electric lobotomy. <laughs> like take two ice. ice picks and stick them in the brain and then and, like use the shock therapy. Yeah. I'm, I mean, that sounds completely insane. I, mean, I would like, almost guarantee that somebody tried it. Oh, I'm pretty sure that's what Frankenstein's based on. Like he, he An electric lobotomy? He, he drives two bullets into the brain and then shocks them. And that's what creates life. Okay. <laughs> he just like, he puts an electrical signal in the brain and that starts the electrical... You know, the the synapses, the relaying, and that gets the brain kickstarted. That's what makes the monster come to life. That's that's crazy. Yeah. This last one, this last one I got. This is this is the worst. Like the worst well, mentally how? for you. The wor- huh? How how could it be worse? Well, I haven't told you what it is yet. I mean, it just. I can't think of much worse. This is the wor- this is worse for your worse for your brain than anything yet. This is worse for your body, worse than anything yet. Worse for everything. Okay. Insulin shock therapy. Insulin shock therapy. Have you ever heard of this? No. You know what insulin is, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> this was another thing they used for schizophrenia and depression and hysteria. But I think I think the main purpose of this was uh, uh, schizophrenia, yeah. because they used this a lot in like um, I forget what they're called, like institutions and stuff, like where they would put all the crazy people together the and they would like do all these like tests on them. The this worst was, things come from asylums. Yeah, asylum. That's what I'm looking for. This is uh, where that that was extremely popular was in asylums. Yeah. So insulin shock therapy, <laughs> what they do is. They give you a large dose of insulin so that your blood sugar drops. Mm-hmm. And then once your blood sugar drops, they um, I don't even know if they measured the blood sugar. I think they ju- they probably just gave you the insulin and then they just let your blood sugar drop to the point where you would have seizures. And mm-hmm. then after you had a seizure for so long, then they would insert a feeding tube and um, give you some type of glucose drink to bring you out of your seizure and get your blood sugar back up. And then they and then they would ask you if you quit hearing the voices or if you felt better. And then if you didn't or you were unresponsive, they did it again. And they just repeat just like the whirling chair. They just repeated that cycle until you felt better. So you were just like repeated features. Yes. 
So they would just repeatedly drop your blood sugar to like, and, and tons and tons of people died. Oh yeah. So they would just drop your blood sugar down to the point where you're unconscious and like having seizures and like the, in, there was a video, um, I think it was a reenactment. I don't think it was like an actual like yeah. session, but it was like, they had someone like strapped down to a table and they're just like, just going like this, just like shaking back and forth from having the seizure. And the doctors are just sitting there just like with the clipboard, just like watching them. And then like after two or three minutes of them having a seizure, then they're like, all right, bring it back. And then they like give them the, give them the drink. Yeah. That's, that's where like, that's, that's prime horror movie stuff. Cause like asylums, like that stuff actually happened. Like asylums see like there's, there's absolutely no one looking over this. There's no one, there's no regulation. There's no one stopping anyone from these doctors doing whatever they feel like doing. So a lot of times doctors just did stuff for the hell of it because they knew that these patients don't have anyone that's going to be, you know, sad to hear them go. So because usually the, the only people they had caring for them, like have given them up for, them. you know, like they, when you check someone into an asylum, asylum, you're like pretty much agreeing to never see them again. Cause like yeah. it was, that was, that was common. Like you just, you just give them away. They're not your part, your problem anymore. So like these doctors had free test subjects for anything they wanted to try. So doctors went ham. Like they did, they, they tried anything they could think of on these patients just for fun just as curiosity how would you how would you get into an asylum you have to be diagnosed with uh, some kind of mental disorder which is very 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 easy to do yeah it's yeah like, it's especially yeah. in these days yeah could you imagine okay let's say okay let's say you lived through all the like all the stuff that they that they had been doing to you so like <laughs> you you started off Let's go back to the top of the list here. Okay, say you have schizophrenia, right? Yeah. You've you've had the bloodletting. They've cut you open, let all your blood out, and all this stuff. You still hear the voices, right? So then yeah. they give you some of the heroin, to, and then you you still hear the voices, right? So then they mm -hmm. put you in the whirling chair and they whirl you around for who knows how long, and you still hear voices. And then they uh, give you the lobotomy and they jam the ice pick in your head, and you still hear voices. And then you go, uh, what was that? Electroshock therapy. They shock you like just as much as they can. And then you're, you're telling them you still hear voices. And then you end up in an asylum. And then they, then they do all the, all the insulin shock therapy. And then you're like, I still hear them. Mm -hmm. what, at that point, what do they do? I mean, if you somehow survived all that. Yeah. And they'd, they'd probably just like uh, throw you into a um like a dark cell or like strap you to a bed and just keep you as the lab rat. <laughs> they'd just be like, anything, any new test that we got, we're doing yeah. it on this guy. We're doing this guy because this guy's proven himself to be, you know, most resilient. He's <laughs> survived everything. Yeah. They're, they're looking at their records. They're like, nobody else has survived all of this stuff. I think we got there's something going on here. This one does not want to quit. Yeah. So. So you had to be checked. So you had to be diagnosed with something, which obviously didn't take very, didn't take anything. You could have been like, I think I heard a ghost. You have well, schizophrenia. Ghosts were you know commonly accepted to be a thing, but yeah, if you uh, if you had like any, any any minor thing, like if you had episodes where you'd you know like schizophrenia or if you had you know um if you if you had like violent behavior if you were just like a very 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 violent person they could uh, diagnose you with possession 
that was considered a, ma a major thing. They'd take you to an asylum for they, they do, that was a lot of possessions for being possessed. Possessed, yeah. Did they call? Did they call like a preacher or something or like? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they but usually the preachers couldn't do anything to him because like a big mental. I feel it was called, but it's like it's like when you believe you're possessed, even though you're not, or you just believe you're something other than human. It makes you act like an animal. It's just it's all in your head, and then they would feed into that by actually like telling you that you are possessed. So they'd reaffirm your belief, which would make you act even crazier, and the response would be even crazier. And it'd just be in, like a never-ending cycle until you just died. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. The, um... I don't remember what I was going to say. What was the first part of what you said? About what I just, what I just said? Oh, oh, ghosts being accepted. Yeah. They ghost, were like people, are... um... Like they, they, they fully accepted that there were oh. ghosts, and if like you heard them, you weren't immediately like crazy. Yeah, your ghosts have been. You know, people back in the day were extremely superstitious, even more than now than nowadays. Like nowadays, ghosts, you know, you have people that believe them and have skeptics. But way back in the day, everyone knew that ghosts and demons, especially, were that was real stuff. You didn't you didn't mess with that because that was real, like super super real. Yeah. Um, and then you know, like if somebody, um. Like the, uh, the mental disorders would cause people to think that they're possessed, or if some people just are an unnaturally violent, just they're an unnaturally violent person, then they just be called possessed, even if they weren't, like didn't think that they were. I mean, and so that was a big thing. Like dem demonic possession was a big thing that happened all the time. Was did they ever? What was the difference between like them somebody saying that you're demon possessed versus? being like um like a witch so a witch would be someone that's like working with the devil like you've made some kind of pact with the with the devil and he's given you unnatural powers like if, if someone was unnaturally gifted and it was in like one of those environments like with a pilgrim they, they were super skeptical skeptical pilgrims. um pilgrims like uh, the the uh, new england colonies they were like why were they skeptical about uh witchcraft the, the, that was where the Salem witch trials happened of, of, of the northern colonies in the 1600s the Salem witch trials were the I, forget, I think it was like like Massachusetts something like that something like something that, that area the uh, the pilgrims and the, the original colonies they were the ones that had the Salem witch trials but the witch trials um, weren't those pretty much like anybody that was suspected of a witch, yeah. they just they died. were the extreme. They were, they were the most extreme case because, like, if you just called someone a witch, everyone was like, "Yeah, I mean, they're they're we have ways to prove that if they're a witch, and all the tests were to kill them." So like, if you yeah, didn't like somebody, you could just be like, "Witch," yeah. and then they would just that be like, "Well, well, we got to figure it out now." That, that's like that, that's the most extreme case, but like other than that, if someone was a witch, usually they just be called a witch because they were just naturally like. Usually it was women, like intelligent women, women that were trying to be like scientists. That was the most common thing. If you were, you were a woman and you had a very, very strong understanding of science, which you must be a witch. You made a pact with the devil, and that's why you're so smart. So you, you have these unnatural gifts. You're a witch, and they bring you at the stake. It's, it's weird how people fear intelligence. Oh, yeah. Like even, even, the, even like today, it's yeah. still, I mean, obviously we're not burning people for being smart, but like, 
from all the way back then, even to today, people are still like intimidated by intelligence. Yeah, because like it, it, it's the most powerful thing you can have. Like if you're just if you have like some massive advantage over someone just out, out of sheer intelligence, and, like you're you're trying to, like if you're someone who's not very smart, and there's somebody else who has like this massive understanding of science, and you know nothing about science, you know nothing about anything about how anything works. What they do looks like science. You know, like if yeah. you were to, if you were to be like a peasant in the medieval ages, and there was like an alchemist, like somebody who knew how to like, I mean, obviously they didn't have chemicals, but like if somebody who was trained um, in using plant life to make certain um, like healing things, like uh, like tonics, that seemed like witchcraft, or like that seemed like like magic, because how how are you able to just turn this plant into something that heals me? Making sense. <laughs> It's like, like you, okay, it's like you take a plant and then like you boil it and you make like a tea and they're just like, yeah. witch! Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're just like, whoa, 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 man. All I did was take this water and boil it and put this plant inside. That's it. I didn't do anything else. And they're just like, witch. Yeah. And like, like you, you didn't just boil that water. Yeah. And it was mainly like, it was mainly, they called someone out from being a witch for believing and trying to prove something that was against what the general belief was so because women were deemed less intelligent than men if a woman was more intelligent than a man like in the she proved herself to be more intelligent by being a scientist that was completely and totally unheard of and it completely um like uprooted everything that the general like understanding of how things were was and so they instantly came to the conclusion that's not possible and this is why it's not possible it's because you're a witch. And because of that, you're going to die. Or so that, if, like, that makes them like a mega witch. I mean, well, that, that's generally what witches were, were. People like women that were intelligent. Because what it was, it was the common belief was that women were not intelligent. Not not more than many way. And because like you, you, because it's impossible. Like literally, it is not possible for a woman to be smarter than a man. If you're smarter than a man and you're a woman, it must be because you made a pact to the devil. That's the only way you could possibly be smarter than a man. Than a man. So you're a witch, by definition. That that's what happened. Wow. And like another thing that happened was scientists that would disagree with the church, like Galileo, they tried to preach it to prove something that would disprove what the church teaches. They were also called out for being like uh, that was probably like the end of the world. Oh yeah. But like, no, oh, no. no, you don't, mister. You don't go against our church. That was the number one response. The, the best defense the church had was calling people out as Satanists. If, it, if, you, if, you, if you didn't agree with the church, if you didn't agree with every single thing they said, you are a Satanist and you are excommunicated. That was a big term they did. Excommunicated. What does that and mean? Being, like kicked out? Like kicked out of the faith you are in. Like if you, like it mainly happened to people that were well-known like monarchs in the medieval ages, being excommunicated was the worst thing that could possibly happen to you on a social status. If you get excommunicated, no one will talk to you. No one will, your own peasantry might rebel against you and just completely overthrow your family because you are excommunicated. And it basically like, it means that the Pope looked at you and based on what someone else told him or what he's personally learned about you, he's deemed you no longer worthy of being part of the faith and he just kicks you out you're no longer part of us you're an outsider <laughs> sorry you're you're no longer good here 
Yeah. You are no longer accepted. You tried to prove something that was against what I said. Or, or, or like they just did something that was unchristian. Which, uh, which was like what? I'm sure they probably deemed like everything. Like yeah. I, I, if you, like sometimes if you were, were like caught being like, in, in a scandal where you were like being um, unfaithful, like which I mean happened a lot. Like, if, if, you were, like if you were caught doing some, some late night witchcraft. Yeah, like, I mean, witchcraft was a, was a death sentence, but th- that very rarely happened in monarchs. They, they knew not to do that. Usually, it was, like, big stuff. Like, if you killed your brother, excommunicated. If you killed your, your daughter, excommunicated. If you killed your father, like, it was usually murder. Like, full-on familial murder. That's a big thing that caused it. Like that, that's one of the best, like, the, the most common ways that people got excommunicated. Well, that's not that bad. Yeah. It, like, I mean, if you're killing people and then you get whatever, okay, well, I, I get that. Specifically, familial murder, patricide, matricide, whatever cousins are, you know, that sort of thing. Patricide? Is that what you said? Patricide? Patricide's when you kill your dad, matricide's when you kill your mom. Uh, what's, I don't, I'm not sure what the children is, but there's, there's an aside for every single type of killing. And if, if 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 you kill a family member in, in back in back in those days in the Christian faith, it was like the biggest no no you could possibly do, other than making a pact with the devil. Like that was a <laughs> big big no. Well, I mean, I mean, if you're killing your whole family, I mean, come on, man, you can't yeah. <laughs> you can't expect a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you if why you, was it why you, was it so common? I mean, it, it wasn't common to get excommunicated. Being excommunicated no, I mean, common was, for people to kill like their mom or their dad or oh, whatever. well. Let's say that you're the heir to the throne. All right, so you're you're the youngest, or no, sorry, oldest. You're a boy, and so you're you're the prince of, of a kingdom. Like let's say you're the prince of Hungary, the, the medieval kingdom of Hungary, and your dad is the king of Hungary. All right, so you're you're the next in line. When your dad dies, you get everything. You become king of Hungary. You get all the things that come with that, and you want that. So you just you know make sure that your dad dies. So just you kill it. A little earlier. You don't want to wait for him to die of old age or, or die from some random circumstance. So you orchestrate it. You make sure that he dies soon enough so that you get to become king faster and get to be king for as long as you can. And if you get caught doing that, then that leads to excommunication, things like that. So do they like go in there like with a, a weapon and kill him? Or do they you just... Assassins. This is what they, they do a lot of times. Mm. So like the doctor thing. Yeah, like the doctor thing. It's like, hey, dad has got a little bit too much blood, <laughs> and we're going to have to let some of that out. And yeah. when you do, just kind of let a little bit too much out for me, would you? Mm-hmm. And then once I get to be king, I'll make sure you're taken care of. Yeah. So then that, so then the doctor's like, instead of making like a little cut, he just like chops the arm off, and he's just yeah. like, oh no, all the blood, what's it going to do? Was there... Do you know, was there a, a punishment for, uh, like, medical malpractice? I mean, if you're the court physician, which is, like, basically, like, the, the, the doctor that helps all the real, all the important people, then you pretty much just did your job, and if you messed up and, like, you did, did your job wrong, or at least one of the royal family members thought you did your, your job wrong, then you just got the heads in block. Like, you just got your head chopped off by the king. King's orders. Like, if you, the king learned to execute you, he could just do it. Just snap his fingers, you're dead. And there's nothing that can stop you. Stop him. 
like as a king you have full control if you don't like your physician even if he's like a good physician but he just treats you wrong he disrespects you off his head like you just take his head he's dead execute really mm -hmm. being a king means that you can do whatever you want you just just as long as it doesn't uh like as long as the pope doesn't hear about it was it com pope. was it common for them to just like like the doctor just did something and they're just like ah, off his head yeah, if, if like if you're the king, and they wouldn't just like fire him and be like, ah, just get out of here, and then just like go get another one. Usually, they'd be like, well, it, it was kind of like a pastime of royalty to execute people they didn't like just because they could. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, like they don't watch Sunday night football; they execute people. Oh yeah, but executions were a big piece of enjoyment because it it was partly partially for royalty, partially for the peasantry, because you'd have you know you don't like somebody. You order them to be executed. You have them taken out on a big wooden platform. You have one of your your you know uh, your heralds, you know one of the guys that has the reading to the public. He stands up on the platform. And he reads out something you draw up, or have someone else draw up that lists our crimes. Like you say, like you have a speaker speak to the crowd. This person did this, and because of that, it is it being a crime. They are sentenced to death. And everybody's like, yeah, kill him. And they chop his head off. And everybody's like, yeah, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> everybody's like yeah kill yeah. him off of his big, head it was a big piece of enjoyment the peasantry loved a good execution wasn't uh jeez <laughs> peasantry loved a good execution oh yeah that was a highlight was it was it free to watch yeah yeah i'm pretty sure you, i'm pretty sure you could just it was usually done in very public areas specifically to try and get the people riled up to like to be ex chatted about executing a, a a criminal, so like they they put they purposely go into the middle of town, build a platform, and then do the execution in full view of the entire town. So then, everybody. So then everybody gets to all get together. Yeah. 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 It was we a good all, way. We of, all saw it. Because mm -hmm. that's like because you're 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 entertaining the peasantry, which is good because you don't want the mob to get bored. And it's, and it's a way for the for the king to stand up there and be like, "Look what I can do." Yeah, like like we caught this guy doing this shady stuff. How do you know he's doing shady stuff? Because I told you, and I'm the king, and I'm always right. So this guy's gonna die, and he's a criminal. And because I'm killing him, I'm doing you a service by killing a criminal, and that's why you should trust me. Oh, that's twisted. Mm -hmm. It's like no matter what anybody else says, I'm the one that's right. Well, I mean, yeah, because the, the, there's that whole divine right. Every king was, the, the general consensus was that every king had been specifically chosen by God to be king. So they were unquestionable. You, If, if you question the king's rule, you're questioning God. And that's a death sentence. So they had absolute control. So if, okay, <laughs> I know nobody probably would, have, would ever do this, but... Well, if you were at, say, one of these like executions or whatever, and the king was saying something, and you were just like, "You're an idiot," you're what? An I mean, idiot? You cut out all. You're just in like, order. "You're an idiot." Oh, uh, like you dead? I mean, if you get caught, yeah, you're dead. There's no, oh, you, they definitely know it's you. Like you, you stand up and you're like, "You're an idiot!" Like right to his yeah. face. Guards come coming at you, and they, if they catch you, they just bring you up alongside and kill you afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> like they kill the, the main guy and then they're just like and this guy said I was an idiot so he gets to die too mm -hmm. Wait, you see usually they didn't just kill the one guy they'd stock up prisoners like they'd have a big dungeon 
and they one by one they'd accumulate people they didn't like they were going to be on on the path to execution because it, it's expensive to reach this kind of thing you don't want to just build a wooden platform and then take it down and then build it up the next day again and then take it down again over and over and over what and, did, i mean that, why didn't they just have a permanent platform somewhere well sometimes they did sometimes they did i mean but, obviously they're doing these things quite often so yeah build a platform and also like you'd have to dispose of the head and the body it's best to just do them in clusters so they build up a bunch of people they didn't like and once you know they either get you know once they're ready to kill them all or the dungeon's running out of room they take them all out in a big group <laughs> and just one by one they take them their heads off Hey, our dungeon's running out of room. <laughs> we gotta get rid of some of these people. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine the eerie feeling? Like if you're in the dungeon and like you're like you're in the dungeon, you're down there, you know it's starting to get full, and like you you know <laughs> like they're about to come get us. Like mm-hmm. it, we're about to be dead. Yeah. How, I mean, come, so- how come they didn't fight them? Well, I mean, it was, it was just so useless, and also there was there would still be. There was an idea of like accepting your crimes was a big thing because if you accept your crimes, then there's a chance that you can be forgiven and so get to heaven. So people would think like, I mean, if I just if I'm just really sorry that I did this, or really sorry that I got, even if I'm innocent, even if I'm innocent, as long as I don't make any more mistakes and just accept my punishment, then maybe I'll get to heaven anyway. So that's why they're placed. Because if you run, that's a sin, and if that's your last sin, you're going to hell. So that's what they believe anyway. So they're, so they're just like, well, if I just if I just be really sorry and I just let this guy just cut my head off, then just I'll be, maybe I'll be good. Everything mm-hmm. will be fine. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing. If I'm in a if I'm in a dungeon, and I and I know that they're coming to cut my head off, I'm not going to know how to fight. Like as soon as you open that cell door, we're throwing hands. We yeah. are we are fighting. And there was another thing was like um like uh, trial by combat, trial by combat was a thing like it's not it's not fictional it was a, it was a real thing that people would do it wasn't super common. Trial by combat. Trial by combat. So if 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 you were like um see back then they didn't really have a way to prove crimes like if you commit someone committed a crime, and nobody saw them commit the crime, but you're like you're pretty sure they committed the crime. There was only one way to get them imprisoned like to just to take the fall for what they did or what you think they did. And that was by trial by combat. Like you, you oust them. You say this person committed this crime. I can't prove it. So we're going to let God decide who's right. And what that means is essentially you both go into a ring, a pit of sand usually with swords and you just fight to the death. And whoever wins was chosen by God to win. So that's why they did that. Mm-hmm. I figured okay. I didn't think that had, that had any like religious meaning. I yeah. I thought that they would just do that, just because just because they wanted something to do. I mean, it They're was just like, hey, I'm yeah. bored. You're bored. Uh, we got these two guys that could fight to the death. Well, let's let them fight to the death. Mm-hmm. And like there were there were certain rules for certain like areas. Like Vikings had a set of rules, but mainly it was like if somebody questioned your honor. Then you do you duel to see who's right. What do you mean question that, your honor? Like if somebody accused you of something that you didn't do, or maybe you did do, but you didn't want to know it, and like, you couldn't prove it. Like if someone accused you of uh, of being unfaithful, like you've been sleeping around, and even though you have a wife, and they'd, they'd accuse you of that, and you say, how dare you? And you, you challenge them to a duel to decide who's right, and whoever wins the duel is right. 
<laughs> so to fight to the death. No, whoever wins the duel is better. It's, yeah. <laughs> That's, yeah. Yeah. There, there was some difference back then. Being right and being better was there was no difference. So I mean, you know for sure there was some guy that was just like an ungodly like fighter. And he was probably I mean, just lying about everything, cheating on his wife, and everybody like calls him out, and then he just like just murders everybody. I mean, even if you're like a really good fighter, like sword sword play is so so dangerous because they wouldn't be wearing armor; they'd just be wearing cloth, like just yeah. straight cloth. And even if you just you, even if you win the fight, if you get hit by like a really 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 like bad blow. You're still dead. It doesn't matter how good you are. Even even the best might slip up every now and then. Oh yeah, it's still if you get if you get injured, then they're just gonna take you to the doctor who's gonna kill you anyway. So yeah, yeah. It's like, it does, and it was it, like like remember, it doesn't look like how it is in, in the shows and the movies. It's not like you know, ooh, you know, really wide telegraphed swings. Like it's it's lightning fast. Like when people are sword fighting, it was lightning fast. Like in real, like if you watch World Star. Like it doesn't look how it does in the movies. Like this fights don't look like they do in the movies. It's it's lightning fast. Like you blink and you miss it, and somebody's on the floor bloody. It's yeah. not like super slow motion. Yeah, because they're, they're like, like legitimately fighting for their life. Yeah, and same thing with swords. Like it's it's lightning fast, and it's, like duels usually didn't last more than seconds. Like somebody was gonna be dead within the first three swings, almost always. I wonder if like anybody ever tried like like an old like like oh let's shake hands oh like stab him. <laughs> I mean probably, but if if people see you do that, they're probably gonna execute you anyway for being un- unhonorable. <laughs> That's true. I forgot that they can just execute execute you for anything. And yeah, any reason, any reason they come up with. Do you think anybody? Well, I'm sure the answer is yes, but I wonder if anybody ever just like two guys ever just like sword fought to the death for fun. I mean, for fun, for fun. Like, I don't think they just do it for fun. Like, uh, like two guys that like don't like each other, but they don't like they don't have a you know they're not like calling each other out. They just they just want to fight, so they're just like, right, we're just gonna let's just do it. Well, there was um another another tri- form of tribal combat called first blood. So whoever whoever draws blood first is the winner. So it, you're not you're not going for lethal. You're just trying to draw blood. So you just get cut across the arm. That's the end of the duel. Duel stops instantly. So what so if what if you get, what if you hit him with a really good one, and you accidentally kill him? Oops. Well, accidentally. Well, yeah. Like I you're looked. just trying to draw blood, but it's like I mean, I took his head off, and the blood I, came out. <laughs> I tripped, and my sword went through him. I mean, he kind of stumbled into it, so that's kind of like his fault, you know. <laughs> yeah. So. You see, he was charging at me, and I just yeah. happened to stick my sword out. So mm-hmm. I mean, this whole thing is his fault. Honestly, yeah. I mean, I didn't put the hole in his chest. He did that to himself. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, we're going to execute you anyway. I mean, usually if someone died in a first blood duel, I'm pretty sure they just they just won. Like, well, yeah. <laughs> what else are you supposed to do? Yeah. Then the, the, first, uh, the first blood duel just turns into a duel to the death. Yeah, accidentally. Anyway. So like, these, these people obviously did not have... Uh, living a long time in mind at all oh no because like the life expectancy back then was like if you got at 50 you were ancient most people died around 40 like 40 flat that's when most people died so like (laughs) jeez so like whenever you're 30 you're like 
my time's almost up. Yeah, when you were 30, that was, that's pretty old. Like, you were getting there. It's like, 30 was, like, the equivalent of, like, today's, like, 70. Yeah, because you remember, like, back then people were generally smaller and weaker than humans now. Like, people used to think, think like, oh, people are so weak nowadays. No. If you went back, like, a decent, an average-sized man, and you went back to the medieval period, you're a big guy, and you're strong compared to everyone else around you. They might have more grip strength, but you've got, like, a head and a half height over top of them. The average height was, like, five foot back in those days. Like, people were small back really? in those days. Mm-hmm. The people were small, and they were they were generally pretty weak too because their diets were horrible. Unless well, yeah, you were just eating whatever they could find, whatever they could find. Like the average guy's gonna have you know barely any meat on him. He's gonna be like five foot. He's gonna be pretty easy to take down. Yeah, like they were scrappy, sure, but weak and small. Were the Vikings really strong? Strong, yeah. The, it wasn't they were tall-ish. They were tall and normal. Like, cause like Vikings were different because they had, instead of just like living off the land, they went around and stole everything that everyone else had. And they were a warrior culture. So like it, it was the strongest, the strongest people got um, like paired up with the strongest people. So like they were like the, the, the biggest, strongest women were paired up with the biggest, strongest men. And so that just naturally makes bigger, stronger people. Yeah. So it's a, it's a warrior culture. So like the Vikings were the biggest, strongest, toughest people of their, their time. So naturally, they were they were really really scary. That would, I mean that would be terrifying. Yeah. Can you imagine if you were like like six eight or something back then? You'd be. Everybody's just like guy. looking up at you like, oh man. Yeah. And that's a huge advantage because like the reach, the sheer amount of reach you'd have, especially if you get like a really big weapon. No one's gonna be able to beat you. Like no, unless they hit you with a like a crossbow or or a bow. If they get in a melee range of you, you're gonna be able to take them out pretty easily. Yeah, like you, like you're, like say you're like a Viking, like you jump on somebody else's boat, and then like the boat, whole boat rocks, and they're like, oh, who is that? <laughs> and then you just see some giant monster. You're like, oh man, yep, I'm going going back under the deck. Especially if you had armor. Like, if you have, if you're a big guy and you have lots of armor on, like you got some thick chainmail, or even if, especially if you, if you have plate armor, and you're like like six five plate armor and you have like a like a zwai hander like those massive weight swords you're unstoppable nothing's gonna be able to take you down except for like a crossbow bolt or an artillery piece <laughs> everybody just everybody just runs out of your way they're just like yeah. i don't even want to mess with this guy yeah wait they had crossbows back then i mean they, they, they were kind of like jumping out of the place crossbows were like mm, I don't, uh, they came out of practice around 1200 for 300 so yeah medieval ages yeah they had crossbows that's old yeah been around for a while it, mainly in the western area what like western italian area is when they first uh, came up i think i wonder how they they well well they had regular bows right mm-hmm. but regular bows have been around since the dog man so i'm sure the regular bows were the weight was probably they were probably like incredibly hard to pull back well, it depends on the bow, because like yeah, there were there was short bows, which were like the first bows people made and used, which are not that different. They, they weren't designed to shoot very long ranges. They weren't designed to be very heavy or very powerful. They had recurve bows, which were much more difficult to like make. They were a lot more uh, 
like intricate, but they could get a lot more distance and they were a lot more powerful. And you had longbows, and longbows are the dangerous ones. Like the, the longbows, I think it was the British that had them first, uh, and British Isles, the Saxons, and those things were terrifying. Like the British instantly became the most dangerous military in the world once they invented longbows, because longbows are just that dangerous. Like they're so dangerous. Jeez. Well, I'm sure they they probably had to have shot two, three, four times harder than anything else. Uh, well, it's mainly the the range, because a longbow, like a hundred pound longbow, eighty to a hundred pounds is quite like what the normal yeoman would be would it be called? You know, the the archers, the British people had that'd be the average poundage, and that stuff can go like almost a mile. If you're if if it's heavy enough poundage and you're good enough, you can get that. You can get up to a mile, I believe, in range. Well, most most bows these days aren't even like eighty to hundred pounds. Yeah. Like now, like a good, like a, a like a really good like hunting bow, like a compound hunting bow, is probably sixty to seventy pound pull. Probably mm-hmm. it's, it's probably about average. But compounds designed to be easier to draw back. I mean, true. But it's still 60 to 70 pounds. Yeah. But, like, compared to what everyone, what everyone else had, with these short bows, like, the difference between a long bow and a short bow, like a 20 pound, 30 pound versus an 80 to 100 pound, is huge. Like, that's, that's a massive difference. How do you think, like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, one, I guess, like, clan or, like, country or whatever, whoever's fighting together mm-hmm. if these people say the english people had um long bows and then somebody else had like these short bows is the only way that these people figure out long bows is from these people like Usually. they like they yeah. kill they one of them and get a hold of it and they're just like oh what is this thing and they try to like recreate yeah. it yeah. because because like the british the long bows are so like unique to the british like other people tried making similar things but they were just never, never as good like, I'm pretty sure the Vikings actually had, like, an early type of longbow. Like, they were kind of like longbows, but not, not as good. Nowhere near as good. But, like, that's why crossbows were invented, to, to be the answer to longbows, I'm pretty sure. Like, like crossbows were what were put up against bows, because they had less range, but they hit harder. So, like, a crossbow could could square off with the longbow relatively well. It took longer to, longer to load, didn't have as much range, but they hit harder. Like, you could, you could pierce armor with a crossbow. And, like, longbows wouldn't always pierce armor. Because there had to be, like, the first person to do, like, everything that's been done. So, like, whenever you're, there's, like, a war going on, there had to be the first person to make the cannon. Yeah. So, like, they yeah, went to war with someone, and they're over here, like, shooting crossbows or whatever, and then they just hear, like, a boom, and then, like, a cannonball comes out of them, and they're like, whoa, hold on, what is this? We got we got to get one of these. I think that exactly happened at the siege of Constantinople with the Ottomans, the Ottoman Empire. Um, I forget what it was, maybe 1100s, 1100s, probably like 1100s, something like that. It was pretty early on in history because the Ottomans, I believe that the Ottomans were the first people to use cannons, strangely enough. Um, and they, they brought these massive cannons that shot that at the time they had stone cannonballs, like massive stone cannonballs, like five oh. foot wide stone cannonballs. And the cannons were huge. Like these things would be like like six foot in diameter. Like huge cannons, 
Um, and they just fired, they, like, they pulled him up to the walls of Constantinople. And they, the, the walls of Constantinople were known for being, like, the most fortified walls in the entire world. It doesn't get better than the Theodosian walls of Constantinople. And the Ottoman Skens showed up, and the visitors were like, yeah, we're fine. I'm not, I'm not sure what that thing does, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure, you know, no one's ever breached the walls before. So we'll be fine. And they, <laughs> the Skens show up, boom, and then a massive chunk of the wall goes down, and panic breaks out. People are like shocked at what's happening. <laughs> like, what did they just do? Yeah. Nobody else has ever done this. I don't know what. Mm-hmm. The, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, we've been going for pretty much uh, about two hours. Mm-hmm. So, I don't have anything. Uh, I don't have anything in- interesting to say. All do right. You, do you have anything else? Mm, I like to think of. 